In Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Then in Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse, uh, 14, uh, verse 4, uh, we read these words, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. Now, I want to talk about this morning, continue until. Uh, this is probably, I think, our fifth week in a six-week series of studies on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. With that being said, uh, it's always intrigued me this when Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, when he rose from the grave, it intrigues me that he commanded his disciples to go to Jerusalem and tarry until they be endued with power from on high. Uh, why did he not send his disciples back to Jerusalem and send them to the synagogue and say, I told you all? Why didn't he send them back to the priest and say, Hey, I told you he was the Son of God? Why did he not send them back to the Pharisees? Hey, guys, you better get your life in order now. Or why didn't he send them back to the Sanhedrin and say, Guys, I told you that you got it wrong about Jesus Christ? Or for that matter, why didn't they go back to the governor or go back to the king of that hour and say, Guys, we tried to tell you that Jesus was the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, but you will not believe him. And here he is died and rose from the grave ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. But Jesus didn't seem to be concerned about that at all. He was concerned that his disciples might be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order they might continue the work that he did upon this earth. Jesus had told the disciples prior to his death, the works that I do shall you do and greater work shall you do because I go back to my Father which is in heaven. We know that the work that Jesus Christ did upon this earth in the three years he ministered was phenomenal. He opened up deaf ears. He opened up blind eyes. The lame could hear. Uh, the, uh, the lame could walk. The, de- the dumb could speak. The deaf could hear. Uh, lepers were cleansed. Demons were cast out of people. And Jesus turned funerals into resurrected parades. Uh, that was a powerful thing that Jesus did. He taught with one having authority, uh, not like of people in days gone by. When he spoke, people listened. And when Jesus commanded, things happened. And yet Jesus said, the works that I do, you're going to do also because I go back uh, to my Father in heaven. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, was God manifest upon this earth uh, doing things through his physical body. But when he went back to heaven, uh, Jesus said, I'm now going to do the same work through my mystical body, uh, which is the church of the redeemed uh, whose names are written down in heaven. Uh, Let me tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is not a Pentecostal thing by itself. It's not an assembly of God or church of God or four square or Pentecost holiness thing. It is a people that are born again that are hungry for the infilling of God's Spirit. For the Lord does not look at denomination. He looked at the hunger within the heart. And he said, in the last day, I will pour out, I will baptize, I will give to my people all that are hungry. And I'm grateful that we're in the crowd that believes in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But the Lord said, I'm concerned uh, that my church has power and has authority upon the earth to do the very same thing that I did while I was physically up on this earth as well. Well, I'm glad to report today that around this world, there is a church. It may be small in number. It may not be multiplied thousands and thousands of people that profess to know the Lord because there are many that profess to be in the church that they're really in the world. And there are many that profess to be a Christian that are really of the devil. And there are many that profess to be a child of God that have been deceived by the lifestyles that they are living today. I read just this past week uh, that there's a church in San Diego, California, 
are with a husband and wife who graduated from an Assembly of God college with a BA degree in theology. They now are pastoring a church in San Diego, California, and they say sinners pastoring sinners. And the pastor gets behind the pulpit. He's not Assembly of God now. Uh, he just went to Assembly of God school, independent church. But he got him said, if you hear any rumor about us, it's probably true. Anything you hear about us, we probably have done it. And his wife is an ordained minister, and she is a porn star in pornography today, active in it. And they get up and they say, God is all about love. God is all about mercy. God is all about grace. Then Paul talked about that. Peter talked about that. Jude talked about that. How that people would take the grace of God and turn it into a lie. And that's exactly what is happening. So there are many people out there uh, that preach grace and preach the word of God and, and preach all that. But friend, if we're not living what the word of God said, we're in deceived and we're living a lie from the very pit of hell itself. And there are many people like that. But I'm glad to report that there is a church in the world today uh, made of all denominations, a remnant as it may be, where the power of God is still falling upon individuals. They're still doing the work of God. We may not see it as much in America as we do around the world because we ourselves have become so lukewarm. We ourselves have become so feeling about what we believe rather than taking God at his word and what we should be believing. But I believe that God is raising up a people in this last day that says, I'm tired of church for church's sake. I'm tired of another sermon for another sermon's sake. If God is real, and I believe he is, come and give me everything you got, Lord, to empower me to be light in this last day, uh, to be salt in this last day, and to do great exploits for you in this last day. That is the promise of God. And that is why Jesus Christ ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, is to make sure we would be empowered with the baptism in the Holy Spirit of God that we might do great exploits for our Lord. And the darker the world gets, the brighter the light of the church should be. The more evil the world gets, the more powerful the church ought to be. And the more isms there are in the world, the more reality of God's truth should come to the top like cream that runs to the top of the churn. God was concerned. He could care less about what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests, the Sanhedrin or the governor or, 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 or the king felt. He commanded them to go to Jerusalem and tarry and wait until the Holy Ghost came upon them in power and authority. And then he commanded them with these words. By the way, not an option. He commanded them with these words. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. The question has always been, since the initial outpouring on the day of Pentecost, to tarry or not to tarry, as far as waiting upon the baptism in the Holy Spirit's concern today. With that being said, the word tarry, uh, it, it, it presents no difficulty with us if we look at it from the original Greek language. The word tarry in the Greek is kathazo, meaning to sit down. One Greek-English lexicon lists this word, kathazu, 48 times in the New Testament. And each time it's mentioned, it means to sit, with the exception of one time in Acts chapter 11, I believe in or, or Acts chapter 18, verse 11, where it's translated as continued. And in the margins of most Bibles, it has the word sat. So in reality, all 48 times in the Word of God, the word tarry means to be seated or to sit.
Then you come up with the other Greek word, wait, uh, means, uh, the Greek word is pemirino, meaning to remain around. But neither uh, kathitso or, 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 or beramino uh, uh, from the Greek language, none of those mean to prolong or to delay or cleanse or purify or to consecrate or to sanctify. It does simply mean that we should exercise determination or consecration and concentration upon the duty set before us to perform. So when the Bible said tarry today, we are to wait and concentrate and be determined to have what he says we're to have. It doesn't mean delay in receiving, it simply means being open to receive that which he has promised. When Jesus commanded the disciples to go to Jerusalem to tarry or to wait for the promise of the Father, he actually told them to sit down in Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. This does not necessarily refer to the posture of the body. It's not about the position of the body that's important. It's about the position of the heart. Are we open to the Lord? Are we willing to obey the commands of the Lord? Are we willing to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit of the way that he wants us to do so? Now the important pressing matter of these people was, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Jesus wanted the church to be baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, because there were people in the world that needed to hear the gospel. There are people groups around the world that needed the Savior. There are problems in the world that only God can solve. There are needs in the world that only He can meet. There are demons in the world that only the finger of God can cast out. And there's also, if you will, healings that can only be healed by the power of Jesus Christ and by the hem of the garment if we make a touch in it. Therefore, he wanted people to obey by waiting or tearing for the amazing power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now their duty was they direct their attention toward receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They had nothing in this world more important to do. Nobody else more important to meet. No function important rather than wait for the Lord. And yet you read the book of Acts and you find they were faithfully and obediently waiting upon the promise of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were found faithful, they were found waiting, they were found tearing, they were found in a position of waiting of the Holy Spirit to come upon them faithfully. Now, as a sidebar, Jesus was seen after his resurrection by 500 people at one time. It is feasible, it is possible that there were 500 people out there waiting for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's possible. They waited one day and somebody said, ah, I got things to do in places to go and people to see. I can't wait around on this. It's never happened before. Why do we think it's going to happen now? There's never been a such time when the Holy Spirit is outpouring on somebody like a group of us. It's not going to happen. What Jesus, I know what he said, but I'm not going to believe it. And then two days passed, a few more people left. Three days passed, more, four days, five days, they left. And finally, they were all gone with the exception of 120. Could it be that some of those guys said, thank you for the invitation to the prayer meeting, but, you know, nothing's happened thus far, and I doubt it's going to happen. And besides that, if the government finds out we as Christians are in here in this upper room, they may come and arrest us the same way they arrested Jesus, and we know what happened to him. They crucified him. They might kill us as well. So thank you for the invitation, but no thanks. I've got places to go and people to do and things to see, and I'm going to leave this. But all on the day of Pentecost was fully come. When the 120 tarried, when they waited at the command of the Lord, not for a season, but for a specific purpose. The Bible said the place, like a mighty wind, went through it, and it was shaken. 
and cloven tongues like as a fire came and set upon each and every one of them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Now, since the day of Pentecost with the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit, prolonged waiting for the baptism in the Holy Spirit is no longer necessary nor is it scriptural. Nowhere does it say we're supposed to tarry anymore for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The day has fully come. Therefore, there's no need to tarry in the city of Jerusalem, as he said in Luke 24, 49. Neither is there any need for Jesus to remind us to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Every time somebody gets saved, Jesus does not have to die on the cross again. That day took care of it. And the gift of salvation is for whosoever will. And now that we've accepted Jesus as Savior, he don't have to have another outpouring on the day of Pentecost for us to tarry. Thank God the gift continues to give every day of our life around the world. You don't stand in line to get saved. You have to tarry to wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for he desires to give. After the day of Pentecost, no one waited except for ignorance and unbelief. Think about that. As soon as they knew the Holy Spirit received, that they knew it was available to him, they received him right there on the spot, speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. In the Bible, there is nothing to endorse a tearing meeting as we often have today. Now, please don't be mad at me or misunderstand me. I've gone to those days and years gone by where we're going to have a Holy Ghost tearing meeting. So we show up on a Saturday night and we come in all excited and we tarry and we wait and we wait and we tarry and we pray and we wait and finally we go home frustrated, bewildered, and empty, more so than when we came in. So we do it again next week. We have another tarry meeting. And we gather around with the greatest of intentions. And we tarry and we wait and we pray. And we go through our religious shenanigans. And we go back out the door, frustrated, empty, weak, and disappointed. Scratching our heads saying, what in the world is the matter with us? Brothers and sisters, there's no record in the Bible I can think of where some received and others did not. There were no such failures in the Word of God. Every seeking believer received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking in tongues. Now, there was never a hint that people had to wait until they became good enough either. That's a lie that went to me. How about you? Anybody had that idea? Well, I've got to get good enough for him to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Anybody besides me and the only nut out there? Okay, thank you for your honesty. I want to assure you, you'll never be any cleaner than the day you were born again. Amen. The day that you and I were born again, we were born again, praise God. And the day that we were born again, we have been cleansed, we have been made whole. If we are rapture ready, if we die and we have the assurance that we're going to heaven, let me tell you, then that means we're good enough to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If we're good enough to fulfill the end, we're good enough to enjoy the means to that end, are we not? And the point being, you'll never get any cleaner than the day you were saved. And thank God you're just as good as the best and better than all the rest, praise God. We may grow in sanctification, but we'll never become any cleaner than the day that we were born again. So let the lie of hell be pushed right back down his ugly throat. The day you were born again, you were clean enough and you are good enough, not because of anything you've done or are, but all because of who Jesus Christ is and what he did for you. You are a prime candidate to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. 120 gathered in the upper room received suddenly not as an attainment of spiritual or an emotional climax. If there's a level of spirituality we've got to attain before we be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then God and His justice would mean that all of us would have to reach that same level of spirituality. Amen. That's a lie from hell. Well, I'm not spiritual enough. 
Do you think that those guys in the upper room on the first day, do you think they were spiritual? Do you think the Samaritans were spiritual when they just got new, con they were just new converts? And what about Caesarea, the people at Caesarea? Didn't somebody tell them they had to tarry a long time? No. And for that matter, what about Saul of Tarsus? A strict law-abiding Pharisee. One who breathed out threatenings and murder and slaughter against the church. One who killed and murdered people ignorantly without a conscience even being stirred. A religious nut. A murderer, a blasphemer. And yet he was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit all at the same time. He had to be because he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. The people who now tarry or wait to feel good inside, feel good enough inside, mistake sentiment for spirituality. Feeling holy is like feeling humble. Holiness and humility are usually felt only after they've been lost. God wants to build character in our lives. For brothers and sisters, when we are born again, we're born again and we're open to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Were you clean enough to receive the gift of salvation? No. Precisely why you needed the gift of salvation, because we're all rotten to the core. We were sinners on our way to hell. We had spit in the face of the living God, but God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's you and me. We came with our ugliness and our baggage and our sin and our guilt and all the things that were sending us to hell as sin. And we exchanged it in for his righteousness. Amen. Well, now that we have the righteousness of Christ within us, he declares us righteous. By the way, he does not make us righteous. He declares us righteous. And now that we have been born again, his spirit bears witness with our spirit. And now we don't have to be good enough. It's his goodness, his mercy, his grace that says, I now want to give my children another gift. The Holy Spirit baptizes in the body of Christ, we become a Christian. And now Jesus baptizes us as Christians into the Holy Spirit that we might be anointed Christians Amen. with power and authority. And it's the gift the Lord wants to give to each of us. Jesus said, and I say to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, will they give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more? <laughs> How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Amen. If fathers that are evil know how to give their children good gifts, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those of us that ask? According to Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, the word tarry is derived from a medieval English word meaning to irritate or hinder. The meaning in today's language would go something like this. To delay or be tardy, linger, to abide at or in a place, stay specifically, to rest in anticipation or to wait. Now, it doesn't seem logical with that definition for the word tarry to mean we've got to go through a tearing meeting or a waiting period to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To wait long makes for unbelief to set in. I said to wait long makes a breeding ground for unbelief to set in. My dad used to say, we used to play rook. Anybody ever play rook? I used to love, love, love Rook. When we used to play Rook with my dad, he'd always say, study long and you study wrong. 
In other words, don't sit there and try to study. Go ahead and make up a decision about it. No need, friend, Terry, simply, to tarry, simply receive the Holy Spirit because to wait long, it breeds unbelief. Now, unbelief kept the nation of Israel out of the wilderness. Here they were just a few days' journey into the promised land, but unbelief came into their life. As a result of that unbelief, they now were kicked out of the promised land because of their unbelief. When people are taught to wait, they expect to wait. But if, they were, if there was merit in prolonged waiting, then the longer we waited, the quicker we'd receive. Wait longer to receive quicker? What? And yet that's the analogy that many people will often give. If tearing alone is sufficient, then everyone who tarried would have already received, but many have tarried without ever receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And many have tarried and tarried, waited and waited, only to be disappointed, only to be frustrated, and they'll say, dear God, what's wrong with me? I've known people that's waited for years and years and years before they were ever baptized in the Holy Spirit. The one thing I know that anyone can learn from waiting so long on receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. Why did I wait so long? Why did I have to wait so long? Oh, I thought I was being spiritual and waiting a long time. No, nothing spiritual about it. We find instances in the Word of God when they were born again, they immediately received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Well, I know from personal experience, I thought, well, am I being spiritual if I wait and tarry days and days turned into weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks turned to month to month and months turned into years now I begin to play that mind game well everybody else but not me what's wrong with me I, I, I sought the Lord how come I didn't receive the Holy Spirit baptism am I not good enough am I too weak spiritually is there something wrong with me there's something wrong with my life could it be that maybe God changed his mind and, and the days for, for me to receive is over and it was only for the people in the Bible? And yet the, the other thought came to my mind, God doesn't love you like everybody else. You're not special on God's agenda. You're weak and backward and shy and you're this, that, and the other. And your background from where you came from, you, you never have it. And the enemy sat right here on the shoulders trying to talk me out of the wonderful gift that God said was rightfully mine. And worse yet, something was wrong with God. Oh, I heard that. Something wrong with God. He honored His Word to everybody else, but He's not honored His Word to you. If you're one of those that never received the Holy Spirit the first time, when you've asked God to do so, do me a favor. Do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. What I mean by that is simply this. Don't throw away biblical doctrine. Don't throw away sound biblical doctrine just because you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit up to this point. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is still your responsibility. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is still my responsibility. But it's God's obligation. God is obligated. That's strong language, Pastor. Did He not command the church to be baptized in the Spirit? Did He not command us to wait until? Did He not command us to be full of the Spirit? Even Paul said, be full of the Spirit. Has he not commanded? So it's God's obligation to fulfill his word in your life and my responsibility to obey. Continue to tarry until in the proper sense. 
It's not that we have to wait long. It's just that we're going to be focused and stay there until he comes upon us in power and glory. That's it. Set down. Give prior attention to receiving the baptism of the Spirit. Push in with God. Move forward in God. Dig into the Scripture. Worship the Lord in song. Worship the Lord in the Spirit. Don't allow your presence to set back or derail you from God's best in your life. Read that word to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it uh, to be holy and not receive the Holy Spirit. For God's sake, don't condemn yourself like I did. Friend, I lived in condemnation for months and months and months thinking, what is wrong with me? I felt like I was a reject from the things of God. I felt like a second-class citizen. Not that Holy Spirit filled people made me feel that way. The devil made me feel that way. I felt that way. And I learned that the Bible said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus the Lord. Build up your faith by starving to death your doubt. Build up your faith by feeding on the Bible. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. And that doesn't mean delay does not mean denial either. Hang in there with God. Pentecostal power will come. I close with this this morning. Some of you have heard the story and I'm going to repeat it. When I was a kid growing up, I went to a little Methodist church beside of our house, and it was the only church around. That particular Methodist church taught me nothing, that particular one. I had Sunday school teachers that were agnostic. I had teachers that seemed to care about me, but they took me on picnics and Halloween parties and dances, which I didn't dance. Heidi go seek on Sunday, uh, 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 Sunday night for our youth meeting. We'd take the back of the bulletin and read it. And that, was our, that was our service. Some little poem. Choose up sides and do play. Party on top of party. Swimming party on top of swimming party. The pastor would come in whistling a beer commercial. And I was empty on the inside. But I was invited by a friend to an Assembly of God church. And I walked into that church. And for the first time in my life, I met a group of people that was not religious. I met a group of people that was on fire for Jesus. The preacher preached heaven sweet and hell hot, and God loved me. And as time went on, I, I was under such conviction. In a particular night, there was an area-wide crusade, and they were using our church, and different preachers coming in each night to preach from different denominations, and all the money received that week went into a special fund for benevolence for the community. So it was a, it was a good thing that we do. I couldn't tell you the thing that Advent preacher preached that night behind the Assemblies of God pulpit, but I know when they started singing that song, Just As I Am, without one plea, I broke like a baby and wept. There's a Christian boy standing beside of me, and I took my hand and I popped him in the chest, said, Bobby walked down there with me, only to find out Bobby wasn't with me. He was in the back of the door, trying to get his breath. I must have cold cocked him pretty hard and didn't know it. So I'm standing around the altar, and finally, nobody there. And then finally, they escort me down in the basement. And I'd been in the church long enough to say, Dear Lord, nobody else has been escorted to the basement. What's the matter with me? Everybody else got saved right here at the altar. So they escort me to the basement. I go down and there's no conviction on me now. It lifted. You want to get saved? I thought, You idiots. What do you think I'm here for? We're not crying my eyes out. You want to pray? You want to pray with me? I thought, If I knew how to do this, I'd have done it a long time ago. Pray with me. So they led me to sinner's prayer. And I got to the place where I said, Lord, come to my heart. I stopped and I literally braced myself waiting for something to come in to take something out to put something back in. I call it my wish-boom experience. I was waiting for that wish-boom to take place. I'd watch people get saved through the last several months. And I braced myself literally for the power of God to hit me and nothing happened. Are you saved? And went, no. 
I've got to pray again. So they led me to the sinner's prayer again. And I get to the place, Lord, come into my heart. I brace myself. Nothing happened. Are you saved? No. Well, here comes the pastor. Well, my friend, can I pray with you? Please. So he prayed me again through the sinner's prayer. And I prayed the sinner's prayer. And no wish boom. Are you saved? I thought, yeah, I'm just like everybody else has. Sure, I'm saved. <laughs> Why not? The devil's sitting here going, I told you there's nothing to it. I told you it's a farce. I told you it's all a bunch of lies. And I'm walking out the door going, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. I confess my sins. I ask him to forgive me. I ask him to come in my heart. I'm saved. He said, if I did this, he would do that. I did that, so he must have done that. So I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm saved. Hey, I'm saved. I'm born again. I was waiting on a feeling, but I had to be submit to the willing of what the Lord said he would do. And sometimes in the baptism of the Spirit, we're waiting on a feeling when it's simply taking him in his word. I almost talked myself out of salvation that night. I started to run saying, I don't feel nothing. It must be a lie. I almost missed heaven and went straight to hell in my life because I know me, I would have never gone back to the church. I've never gone back. Because I said, I tried it. It did not work. All because of being deceived by feeling. Brothers and sisters, feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are very deceiving. But there is the eternal word of God that we've got to stand upon. And he is more than willing to do exceeding and abundantly above anything we ask or think of him. Well, I now I'm hungry for the Lord. I find my lifestyle changed. I can't explain it. The things I didn't used to want to do, I now wanted to do them. Rather than going out and play cards on Friday night, I told my same old rowdy friends, where are you going? I'm going to go home and read the Bible. Well, I don't have a clue, but I can't wait to get in the Word. I didn't drop my friends. They dropped me. Let me back up. They didn't drop me. I dropped them. I just didn't have the desire to do the things we used to do on Friday and Saturday nights. But I had a desire to know Jesus. His Spirit did something in me. And now I thought, wow. I begin to read the Word of God, and it says this thing about the Holy Spirit baptism. What is this? And I would hear people in the church speaking in tongues. I'd see the prophetic gifts coming. I'd hear their tongues and interpretation of tongues. I went, wow, that's real. That's powerful. That's God speaking. Nobody tell me it was the Holy Spirit. I knew it. His spirit bore witness with mine. It was based upon the word of God. You've come too late to tell me this thing died out with the apostles. So I'm hungry. And boy, every opportunity I'm around that altar, baptize me, Lord. Baptize me, Lord. And again, I'm waiting on a feeling. And I come in Sunday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday, out the door frustrated, out the door with the battle. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not smart enough. I got too much of the old Methodist church in me. I've got too much of the old life in me. I, I come from this side of the tracks. I, it's just not for me. It's not. And man, the battle. And then God don't love you. God, this thing's not real. Remember back to that same thing about salvation? Let me tell you something. I've learned a long time ago. When you're getting close to a breakthrough, when you're getting close to an answer, the enemy says it's not going to happen. He says, God can't heal. God can't save. God can't deliver. God can't meet this need. God can't do that. That future's gone down to porcelain potty. All of those things are there. It comes to your mind, you must be getting close 
to a breakthrough. Because one day I said, devil, if what I'm praying about is so impossible, why are you even concerned about it? If what I'm praying about is so impossible, why are you telling me it can't happen? You idiot, I must be getting close. So I persevere that much more in the things of God. So I prayed and prayed and nothing happened. Prayed and prayed and nothing happened. But I found myself when I worked in a mining machinery factory in the mountains of the southwestern part of Virginia. All day long, I'm praising God. I'm singing songs, and I can't sing, but boy, they heard me. And the Lord allowed me to re reach people to the Lord. I was winning people. The Lord hand over fist. I kept Bibles in my little car. And if I didn't pass out about 25 Bibles a week and try to lead five or six to the Lord, there was something wrong with me. I was so full of zeal for God. I'd even clock out of work early, go home, take a bath, and put a suit on just to walk up and down the road and knock on doors and say, I'm not a Jehovah Witness, but I'm here to tell you about Jehovah, though. There was such a hunger for the things of God. Know how one of the Holy Spirit baptism. But I still thought because of who you are and where you've come from, it's not for you. But while I was working at that little shop, a big, big, big factory, at lunchtime I would go sit down by my machine on a trash can and read the Bible. And I'd find myself throughout the day worshiping God, but in my mind, I'm praying and meditating in a language I've never been taught. And I went, what is this all about? And it can't, I mean, if I could just get that out of me, oh my word. It was just like a geyser flowing. I thought, How, what's going on, Lord? What is this? But the Holy Spirit inside me was doing, I, I really believe, I don't know if it's scripture, I'm just telling you my experience. I think God baptized me in the Holy Spirit a lot earlier than I ever anticipated. I really do. Because it was in me, coming out of my, I thought if I could preach sermons like this, if I could speak out like, why, Lord, it'd be phenomenal. But on a, on a, we, we had a revival with a little evangelist. Maybe you heard me say it about John Masto, Italian evangelist. He came to town for Monday through Wednesday. I mean, a Sunday through a Wednesday. Preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Man, every night I'm around that altar seeking God, nothing. Seeking God, nothing. Finally, Wednesday night I come in wore out. I go to the altar. Love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Went and sat down. Well, he thought my name was Jimmy. So that night, Brother John Master said, Come on to Jimmy, tonight will be your night to receive the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm tired, Brother Master. Come on to Jimmy, tonight will be your night. I'm tired, Brother Master. Come on to Jimmy, one more time, come on. I'm tired. I've already been up there, nothing happened. Night after night, come on to Jimmy, come on. So I'll go up to the... Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, what I've been hearing in here... I got out of the way because I was too tired to fight it. Too tired to fight myself. Too tired to talk myself out of something and too tired to talk myself into something. And all of a sudden, I began to speak what I'm hearing. And when I came to, not that I was in a trance, but I found myself on the other side of the building where I knew that God Almighty had gloriously baptized me Amen. in the Holy Spirit. And once I came to myself, you know what my first question was to my friends? Did I receive the Holy Spirit or not? You know why I asked that? Because the devil's sitting here trying to talk me out of an experience I had based on the Word of God. Church, I've never received anything in my life because I felt it. I was disappointed in my salvation because I didn't feel nothing. But in hindsight, I am grateful to God that I did not. 
because I know it's all a walk of faith. But after I accepted him and embraced it, then I began to feel it. But oh, there's been times through the years the enemy's tried to talk me out and saying, you're not saved. He cannot take me back and say I never was. And I know I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit much the same way. And friend, here to tell you, don't talk yourself out of something. Let the Holy Ghost of God come through you and fill you to overflowing. It's His desire to baptize. It's yeah. His desire to give. It's His desire to pour out. And you are born again. You are recipients.